All right, again, welcome. For those of you that might be just joining us, welcome to Cornerstone. We would love to have you check in, let us know who you are. Hold on to your check-in card if you are here because we're going to use that a little bit later in the service. We are in a series called Praxis. And remember, that is a kind of a variation on a Greek word that's talking about our course of action. What is our way of life? What are the things that we do regularly, the rhythms of grace that we have as followers of Jesus? And we're tying this into the pattern that we see in Jesus' life. We see him praying, teaching, and healing, and we turn that into no growth and go. Knowing God, you're going to be communing with God on a regular basis. His teaching was more apprenticing. So we grow together and then the healing was going and meeting needs. So we also aim to go and make a difference. Now, one of the practices that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, and this is, we're going to wrap up talking about the practice of prayer, because what we would like to see is to see more and more people praying more often. And we talked about triggers that you can use to pray. We've talked about patterns for prayer, like the Lord's Prayer that Jesus laid out for us. And today, we're going to be talking about tools of the trade. What are the tools that you can use that will help you to pray? Sometimes having the right tool can make all the difference. And I thought of three examples from my life. Number one, for a long time, I had one of those old, massive, corded drills. How many of you have had one of those? You know what I'm talking about. Yes, all the old people raising their hands, <laughs> like me. Uh, and uh, it was corded, and you would see the kind that were like screwdrivers and the battery power, and I'm like, ah, I don't need that. You know, I can turn the chuck and put a screwdriver in and turn the chuck and tighten it. and then switch that out, go through the whole process, put the drill bit in, and I made it work. I made it work for a long time. But finally, I decided to get a cordless powered drill and screwdriver. I love that thing. <laughs> it, it makes it so easy, and it's got the click, quick change. You could go poop pull out the drill bit, put in the screwdriver, all the different bits. It's wonderful. It's so easy and great to use. Um, budgeting. So for a long time, we used a bunch of different tools, and we finally, you'll hear me more talk about this more later uh, in another message. We found YNAB, which is an, an um, what is it? It's an acronym for you need a budget, and it's the tool that we use for budgeting. And it works so well and so great that it made all the difference in our budgeting. The other thing was a couple of years ago, I got a power washer. How many of you have a power washer? Power washers are beautiful things. They do so many things and they do them so easily. My deck never looks so beautiful. Every once in a while I pull it out to use it as a car wash. I clean the walkways. It's such a beautiful thing. I do things with the power washer I couldn't do otherwise. It just, the right tool makes all the difference. And I believe that there are some tools that just might help us when it comes to praying and will make all 
the difference. Because so often, you know, someone once said, if you want to humble somebody, ask them about their prayer life. So if you uh, try to pray, I mean, you say, I'll pray for you. And that's, that's probably one of the biggest lies that a lot of Christians tell, right? I'll, I'll pray for you. And then you leave and you forget and it never happens. And then you see them again and you're like, I want to say I've been praying for you, but that would be lying. <laughs> so uh, you forget or you get started and you're praying and Lord, thank you for this day. And oh wait, today is, uh, don't I have that bill that's due or whatever like that? And um, oh, I, I needed the car and I don't know if I have the car and you know, it, that's how many of you, that's your prayer life. And, and I can relate to that as well because I am constantly working on this. I believe that prayer is important, but as we've said throughout the last couple of weeks, I don't really think you can get praying, understand prayer, uh, understand its value unless you really lean into it and stick to it and experience it. And, and it's one of those things that you just have to keep pressing into for a long time because it doesn't always have an immediate payoff. It's not like, oh, I spent three seconds praying to God and I just feel so different. And it, it's, it's one of those things that's a, that you have to work it into a habit. And that's when the payoff comes because prayer is really just communicating with your heavenly father. And just like communication in any way, I, I tell all the people that were uh, preparing for marriage, the first year of marriage is the hardest, for, well, at least what for us, because we were learning how to communicate. And because I had, we had that commitment and because we loved each other, we pressed through it. But there were some difficult times, especially during that first year. And I think prayer is kind of the same way. If you're going to learn how to commune and communicate with your Heavenly Father, you're going to have to press into it. So what I want to do today is give you some tools, some helps that I hope will make at least some difference, if not all the difference, in your sticking with prayer. Because if you don't have the right tool, sometimes it's really hard to stay with a task. So let's look at the pattern of prayer. This is where we, we see this in the summary of Jesus' life. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went to an isolated place to pray. Uh, we see this is a pattern throughout his life. Um, we see in the Old Testament, here's an example from the book of Daniel. Daniel prayed three times a day, just as he all had always done, giving thanks to his God. The context for Daniel chapter 6 is that the king had, had made a law that you could only pray to the king. They thought their king was divine, and they passed the law that said you can only pray. And Daniel's like, eh, not going to do that. So he went to his, his old pattern, which was three. He'd open up his windows facing Jerusalem because he was exiled in a foreign country and he would pray three times a day. What does that tell us? There's certain things that maybe, maybe you wouldn't consider them tools, but we've already seen some tools at work. In Jesus' life, we talked about the trigger being daybreak. When he woke up in the morning, that was his time to pray. And we see that uh, what he did was he isolated himself because there were constantly people wanting him and needing things from him and asking things of him. So he separated himself out. You could almost kind of look, like, look at that like a tool. You can see in Daniel's life, he would open his windows 
aim towards Jerusalem, pray at certain times of the day. These are triggers or tools that he would use. And we actually see this in the pattern of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament as well. There were daily sacrifices that were offered. These are the sacrifices you would offer regularly on the altar from Exodus 29. Each day offer two lambs that are a year old, one in the morning and the other in the evening. So as a part of the regular worship of the people of God, at, the, at, at dawn and at twilight, they would offer a sacrifice. And that sacrifice was a teaching tool. You have sinned. A sacrifice has to be made. A life has to be given. They would offer the sacrifice of the lamb. They would see that. They would see the see death. They would see the blood. They would burn the sacrifice on the altar. It was a reminder that before we can come to God, there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be an atonement for our sins. And they would be reminded of that in the morning at the beginning of the day and or what they would consider the middle of the day, actually, and then at the evening, which was the beginning of the next day. And then you see uh, in the New Testament, here's the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he, in his closing exhortations, says this, never stop praying. Never stop praying. So for time immemorial, as long as there's been a record, the people of God have been a praying people. And if we are going to be a praying people, then sometimes we are going to need help. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the tools of the trade of prayer. And here is my premise. Here's the bottom line. If you're taking notes, this is the first thing to write down. And that is that you'll stick to the task if you have the right tool for the task. You'll stick to the task if you have the right tool for the task. If I were to bring up a, uh, a piece of wood with a screw just started in it, another piece of wood with a screw just started in it, and I gave one person a screwdriver and another my power drill, then which, which one would you take? I mean, you, would, you, you could do it. You could use the hand screwdriver and drill that in, but it's, and it's done with that one. Now, then I hand you one with 10 screws that need to be done. You know, it, yes, you can do it, you can do it, but you're gonna get tired, you're gonna get worn out, you don't necessarily wanna keep going. But with this, with the power screwdriver, you're done. If you have the right tool for the task, you're more likely to stick to the task. So I'm gonna give you a couple of different tools. This is, you can call it the VCR message because you'll remember the tools that I'm gonna speak of because it, they fit into that acronym, V-C-R, not video uh, recorder, but V-C-R. This time it's, and we'll come back to this, so don't try to write it down, using your voice, praying out loud. Secondly, a card, V-C card. Keep on track with a card. I'm going to introduce you to a couple of different systems. Find a system that works for you. C is for card. And R is for representative. Live like a representative. We're going to talk about what it means to pray and live in Jesus' name. And then my challenge for you for this week is among the systems that we're going to talk about to just try one, to pick a prayer system to try this week and see if it doesn't result in your praying more often and for more 
So, Jonathan, come on up. He's gonna, my son Jonathan is going to help me read the scripture for today. And uh, this is going to be kind of different because I'm going to give you some examples of prayer, some context for prayer, uh, and hopefully that will encourage you. And I'm going to grab a mic for you. And so Jonathan is going to read more from that passage in Exodus that we mentioned. And I'm going to read from... Paul's letter to the Thessalonians where we find that exhortation to pray without ceasing to keep on praying. So, John. Exodus 29, 38 to 42 and 45 to 47. These are the sacrifices you are to offer regularly on the altar. Each day, offer two lambs that are a year old one in the morning and the other in the evening. With one of them, offer two quarts of choice flour mixed with one quart of pure oil of pressed olives. Also offer one quart of wine as a liquid offering. Offer the other lamb in the evening, along with the same offerings of flour and wine as in the morning. It will be a pleasing aroma, a special gift presented to the Lord. These burnt offerings are to be made each day from generation to generation. Offer them in the Lord's presence at the tabernacle entrance. There I will meet with you and speak with you. Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. And they will know that I am the Lord, their God. I'm the one who brought them out of the land of Egypt so that I could live among them. I am the Lord, their God. This is the word of the Lord. Now notice in that passage how much it was about relationship. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interact with you. I'm going to meet you there. You're, we're constantly going to be there. The fire was kept burning all the time as a symbol of God's constant presence. So, and the smoke is a reminder of our prayers going up to heaven. These are all tools that painted the picture of what was going on. Now, I want to give you some examples uh, of, of prayer and about prayer from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Uh, Beginning from verse 2 to 10. We always, and this is the, John was reading from the New Living Translation. I'm going to read from the Christian Standard Bible. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of God and, and Father, of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we do not need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception you had, we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, 
whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Then verse 2.13 says this, this is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God, you heard it, that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. Then chapter 3, verses 11 to 13. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone, just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. And then in chapter 5, verses 14 to 18. And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we see in that simple short letter so many examples of prayer that when by the end Paul says to them, pray constantly, he has demonstrated, he has modeled that to them. Lord, we want to be a praying people. We want to be people who are communing with you on a regular basis, that the lines of communication are always open. And I pray, Lord, that as a result of what we do and see and talk about and think about today, that that will be the case. And pray this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's, let's look at this and, and again, getting real practical, VC, our voice cards representative. You'll stick to the task if you have the right tool. So first quick tip is to use your voice. What do I mean by that? Whenever possible, to pray out loud. I find that if I pray out loud, even if it's just quietly to myself, that helps to focus, it helps me to keep on track, it helps me to stay awake and keep from, from drifting in my thoughts. Now, the scriptures are full of examples of and talking about prayer that's out loud. I'll give you an example. Now, this prayer, talks about crying out to God. So it's a prayer of entreaty. Can you cry out to God in the quietness of your heart? Absolutely. So I don't think this is, uh, this is uh, ultimately has to be literal, but there are constant examples of praying out loud. Jesus, uh, before the tomb of Lazarus, prayed out loud for the benefit of and to the encouragement of the people around him. So there's a place for praying out loud among others as well. 
not to be seen by others. That's Matthew chapter five. We looked at that more recently, but it's a way of encouraging others. So Psalm 18 verse six is an example from the scriptures. I uh, look at all the words that talk about crying out and hearing and speaking and out loud speech. I called to the Lord in my distress and I cried to my God for help. Lately, I've been pointing out to you that in Hebrew poetry, there are a lot of parallelisms. Sometimes there are similar, similars, uh, similes. Sometimes there are, there are contrasts. Here we have a simile. So called is paired with cried, distress, and the need for help. But he's calling out, crying out to God. Next part of the verse. From his temple, he heard my voice. God heard my voice. And my cry to him reached his ears. Here we have a different pattern. It's A, B, B, A. So it's, that's a chasm. But just you see the parallel and you see it's a lot of talking about voices and hearing. And so the idea of praying out loud is all throughout the Bible. I'm suggesting it to you today as a practical step to keep you praying, to keep you focused in your prayers. So whenever possible, pray out loud uh, and then see what happens. Uh, secondly, you're gonna stick to the task if you have the right tools. A tool that you can use is your voice praying out loud. Uh, secondly, you can use a card. Keep track with a card. What I mean by this is to find your system to find your system. I'll come back around to the idea of a card, but I'm going to point out a system that the Apostle Paul uses that he suggests to the church at Corinth, not for prayer, but for gathering up their offering. It wasn't a regular offering. What had happened is that the believers in Jerusalem were facing a need. There was, there was a famine. And so as Paul was traveling around the Mediterranean, he was gathering up an offering from the different churches that they were going to gather up and send to Jerusalem to help the believers in Jerusalem. So he's writing basically a fundraising letter to the Corinthian church. And he suggests a system for them to do it. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Now regarding, now I highlighted that because I wanted to point out that when you're reading the book of 1 Corinthians, there are two things that prompted the, the writing of this letter. One was reports that Paul had heard about the church, and secondly, he had received a letter asking him questions. So anytime you see now regarding, he's getting ready to answer another question that the church had written to him. So this is a new section. He's answering a question about how they should do the offering, about money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem. That's what we were just talking about. You should follow the same procedure or system I gave to the churches in Galatia. He said, we've been doing this in other places. It's a good model for you to follow. What's the model? On the first day of each week, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. So what you should do is you should decide on a percentage, a portion of the money that you have received that you're going to dedicate to this offering. Do it on a weekly basis on the first day of the week because that was the time when they would gather automatically. They're tying into their existing schedule. 
don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. What is he doing? He's suggesting a system that will alleviate some problems because what would happen if after months of talking about it, they don't collect an offering, Paul shows up and says, okay, everybody, give towards this offering. Oh, this is a bad week. I had to pay my electric bill or I just, I, did, I didn't bring my wallet or my checkbook today. He's alleviating that problem, saying just go ahead every week, put a little bit aside, put a little bit aside. Then when I get there, it's all ready to go and we won't have to try to collect it all at once. When I come, I'll write letters of recommendation for the messengers you choose to deliver your gift to Jerusalem. In other words, there's some things we can wait for, but go ahead and gather up the money, get that all together. Then when I get there, I'll write the letter of recommendation. You tell me who you want to send on the trip to accompany the gift to Jerusalem, and we'll take care of it then. What am I doing? I'm pointing out that there were potential problems that the Apostle Paul foresaw and probably had dealt with before. And so he's recommending a system that overcomes those problems that the people can follow. When it comes to prayer, there are systems and tools that you can use that will overcome some of those problems. And I'm going to suggest a card system or some variation on that. Let me give you the, the, the original low-tech version of this. So I have a little box with index cards in it. Some are blank, some are written on. I have the little dividers. And on those dividers, it has the seven days of the week and then numbered one through 31 for the days of the month. Now, my system when I used this regularly was if I had a prayer request that I wanted to pray for every day, I put it in front of all the cards. So like right at the top right now is Sue Ellen because every time I pick this up, I want to be praying for my wife and my kids so that all of them are in there. If there's something that's more urgent that I want to be praying for every day, that can go right in there. So as soon as I open it up, I can pull out those cards. It's physical, it's tangible. I'm looking at it. I'm, if I can, praying out loud. That will keep me on track while I'm praying. And then when I'm done with that, I just go to the next one and then go for there. So you can have things like that. I also will have some scriptures. This is a great scripture memory system as well. So here's the one that I'm looking at every day, Genesis 1, Seven, a couple of hints on the one side and then the whole verse on the other. So I can look at that, remind myself of it, but I can also, as we talked about last week, praying through scripture, I can use that as a jumping off point for my prayers as well. So I'm learning it and I'm also praying it and it's keeping me focused. Then for things that I want to pray on a weekly basis, then I can slide that back to one of the daily Here's another verse that's in there for Monday. Uh, one of the things that I sometimes pray for is the fruit of the Spirit. So on Tuesday, I have joy. So I've got the verse, Galatians 5, to 23, and I've highlighted joy there, and up at the top right, it says joy. Now I have to put the verse there to remind me I'm praying for the, the spiritual fruit of joy and not my daughter joy. So that's how that works. So you get the system, and then after I go through it, I can move things back, or if the prayers are answered, I can file them at the back. 
So this might seem a little bit complicated, but it's dead simple, easy. Once you have it all set up, you got some blank cards in there. When you want to pray for something or somebody, you can just write it in there. You can use the rest of the card to talk about specific requests for that person or to mark down when prayers are answered. But it's a system that will keep you on track and keep you praying as you pray. Now, everybody should grab their growth guide at this point because this card system you can use as a jumping off point for some different uh, types of prayer as well. So I put them all in that section right inside your growth guide. So life journaling. Many of you, I hope by now, are you doing the life journaling, a way of reading and responding to God's word. As part of that, you do the SOAP process. The P, the last thing that you do is prayer. So you take what you've talked about and what you've read in the scriptures and you're turning it into a prayer. What you can do is use that as a jumping off point for your prayers. So here's one that I did recently. It's called A Night of Prayer and it's based on Psalm 4, verses 7 to 8. This is what that says. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and new wine abound. In other words, my relationship with my heavenly father brings me more joy than when the stock market is going crazy and my 401k is going out of the, the, the stratosphere and I just got a raise and all that. I will both lie down and sleep in peace for you alone, Lord, make me live in safety. So when I got to the prayer section, this is what I wrote. And just watch what I do. I'm going to read it out loud as a prayer, but then I'm going to use that as a jumping off point to continue to pray. So here's what I wrote. Father, I entrust myself and all that concerns me to you. You have been faithful in the past. I can trust you will be faithful now. Grant peaceful sleep, a quieted mind, and a soul at rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, I pray that as I think of the things that I'm concerned about, the things that I'm tempted to worry about, the people that I'm concerned for, I pray, Lord, that you would remind me that you are in control and that when I put my head on my pillow at night, I can sleep soundly because all of those things that I'm concerned about are in your hands. And from there, I might use that as a jumping off point. Well, what are the things that I'm concerned about? And I really make a point. I, I, realized for, uh, I realized a little while ago, it's like sometimes I'm not really praying. I'm worrying out loud to God. And, and I'm not sure that's really what's, what should be going on. And so I've tried to, to aim my prayers a little bit differently rather than worrying out loud and while God is listening to reminding myself like this. It's like, I don't, I don't have to be anxious about anything because I can, I can entrust everything in my prayers and petitions to the Lord. With thanksgiving, you know, all the things, so many things that I worried about or was concerned about, he's taken care of. So many of the worst case scenarios that I came up with in my mind never happened. So, Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you. See how I'm changing my worries into prayers. I'm changing my worries into expressions of faith and trust in my heavenly Father. So if you're already doing the life journaling, you've already got 
a prayer to get you started and that can serve as a jumping off point. So don't finish writing and then close the book and go on with your day. Spend a moment or two praying, again, out loud if you can, and using that as a jumping off point. Um, this is something that uh, Sue Ellen, this is the way that she usually does it, and it's kind of a variation on that. Once you're done with your journaling part, you can just, what she does is she prays, okay, Lord, uh, just bring to mind the people that you want me to be praying for. And in her notebook, this is mine, but in her notebook, she'll just write the names and what she's praying for. This is my page from our pastor's fellowship when we met on Tuesday this week. I just put the names of the people, something to help me remember at where they're from, what they're, what's going on with them, and any way that I can pray for them. Sometimes I'll do a version of what uh, Sue Ellen does. I, might, I know I'm going to be praying for Sue Ellen and each of my kids and their wives, and so I just write their names and then write down a thing or two about what I'm praying for and what's coming to mind. What is it doing? It's, it's helping me focus. It's keeping me on track and making sure that I'm doing that. And it's also cool to have a record because then you can come back and say, oh, I was praying for that, and now I see it happening. So that's kind of cool as well. Uh, going down the list, going down the list, uh, you can take these things and now you can automate them. So actually the, the most successful uh, tool for me personally has been the next one that you see there, prayermate.net. What that does is it takes this and turns it into an app and keeps track of it. And you tell it, you, you can customize it and uh, it just leads you through. And all you have to do is flip, pray for the next thing, flip, flip, flip. And so that works really well for me. If it's too complicated for you, try the next one, which is Echo Prayer. It's just dumb simple. When you think of a prayer, you hit the button that says add. There are two buttons, pray and add. And so you hit the button that says add. You put a little word in there to remind you what you want to pray for. It's done. It can, you can do that anywhere. You can use your phone. You always have your phone with you. And when you go to pray, guess which button you hit? pray and then it just brings up a constant list of all the stuff that you've put in just a way of keeping track keeping you on task also for some of you that use the bible app they have added a prayer thing in there as well it doesn't work for me but it might be the perfect thing for you so look at my next note there which system is best the one that works for you so here's the thing keep experimenting until you find something that works. So find a system because you'll stick to the task if you have the right tool for the task. Pray out loud when you can. Find your system, whether it's a card or something else. And then lastly, I wanna talk about praying in Jesus' name. And that is the idea of living like a representative. So we've got our complete VCR now, voice, card, and representative praying in Jesus' name. Now, you'll probably notice, if you pay attention, that virtually every prayer that I pray, if you hear me pray, I'm going to end with in Jesus' name. That's a tradition that I was taught, that I grew up with, that I continue, and I'm going to teach it to you. Where does it come from? It comes from Jesus' teaching when in John 14 through 16, he's preparing his disciples for when he is going away 
And he says this, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. So let's talk about this for just a second. What does he say? This is an amazing, incredible, unbelievable, really, kind of statement. He's saying, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And why? So that the son can bring glory to the father. A big part of praying in Jesus' name is, uh, is recognizing and the people around you recognizing that Jesus and God are one. They are united in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that when we, our connection to the Father, it's in the same chapter where Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. It's a way of connecting our prayers, our relationship with our Heavenly Father, with his designated mediator, his Son, fully human, fully divine, Jesus Christ. So that when we pray to God, we are recognizing that we are praying through Jesus Christ and praying in his name. Now, is that a magic formula? That whatever you pray for, as long as you say in Jesus' name, at the end of it, you're going to get it. God has to do it. He promised. No. That's not what that means. In fact, there's a great story. In fact, I'm going to read it to you because it's so great, especially in the message translation uh, about some people that tried that. This is in Acts chapter 16, uh, verses 13 and beyond. Uh, I think. Nope, I've got it wrong. What What does it say there? I put it in here. 19, 13 to 16, 19, 13 to 16, okay. This is great, this is worth the wait. So, some itinerant Jewish exorcists who happened to be in town at the same time as the Apostle Paul and his group tried their hand at what they assumed to be Paul's game. They pronounced the name of the master, Jesus, over the victims of evil spirits, saying, I command you by this Jesus, preached by Paul. The seven sons of a certain Sceva, Jew, a Jewish high priest, were trying to do this on a man. When the evil spirit talked back, listen to what the evil spirit says. I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? <laughs> then the possessed man went berserk jumped the exorcist, beat them up, tore off their clothes, naked and bloody, they got away as best as they could. So I don't recommend it. I don't recommend trying to use it as some kind of magical incantation. So what does it mean? Uh, The Apostle John, who wrote this gospel, also wrote a letter, and he talks about something very similar in 1 John chapter 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then, uh, so so there's, there's this massive promise. Pray, ask anything in my name and you will have it. Ask anything according to God's will. He hears us. Remember in the Bible, hear doesn't just mean sound waves bouncing into God's ears. It means he's going to do something about it. When he hears you, he does something about it. He goes on. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what he, we've asked of him. But go back to the first part. 
according to his will. According to his will, he hears us and we have. That's how this works. So it's not a magical incantation. In some ways, it's a, it's a submitting to God's will in this. It's like Jesus prayed, not my will, but your will be done. When we pray in Jesus' name, what, part of what we're saying is, I may have got this wrong. This is what I hope for. This is what I think you want for me. But ultimately, you know better than I. And I'm going to submit to your will. So I'm praying in Jesus' name, meaning I'm putting myself under the authority of my heavenly Father. Um, it also means that I have, the, on the positive side of authority, that God grants us his authority. Any authority, any power you have is not yours, but ultimately belongs to God. It's been given to you so that you can do good with it, so that you can benefit others under that authority. So when Jesus grants us his name, that we can ask the Father in his name, he's saying, I'm going to give you this authority. You can speak in my name. So it's not based on your merit. I mean, how many of us, when we ask, we're like, eh, I don't know if God's going to be too favorable to this because I kind of blew it this week. You know, I have a guilty conscience. I don't feel like asking God stuff. Well, it's not about how well you did this week. It's about how God, through his son, Jesus Christ, has cleansed you and made you worthy and whole because of Jesus, not because of anything that you have done. So what you're doing is you're also saying, not on my merit, not my will, not on my merit, but on Jesus' merit and on his authority. And in fact, it's not something that's just for prayer. It's about everything that we do. In 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about us being ambassadors for Christ. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, and whatever you do, in word or in deed, praying, not praying, speaking, being quiet, doing, not doing, everything in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The, this is the Christian Standard Bible in the New Living Translation. It brings out that word representative. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So what are we doing? We are living like a representative so that when we pray, we're submitted to God's authority. We're praying on Jesus' merit, but we're also declaring our allegiance. If you go out into a public setting and you pray and you say, thank you, God, and please, God, and then end your prayer with amen, you're not going to have a lot of opposition. I mean, you know, people may not join in, but you won't encounter a lot of opposition. But when you end your prayer with, in Jesus' name, amen, what you're doing is you're declaring your allegiance. You're running your flag up the flagpole. Uh, none of this generic God stuff. Let me tell you who I mean when I'm praying to my heavenly father. I'm praying to the father of G the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm acknowledging Jesus for who he is. 
So it's not, it's under God's authority. It's not based on our merit. And I'm aligning myself with Jesus through my prayer. So that's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. And we live like that. We live as a representative. So even when I'm writing out my prayers in my journal or online or whatever, I got tired of writing in Jesus' name, amen. But I wanted to continue to make sure. I, I just want to put that in there because I want to recognize all of those things in that prayer. So I found this shorthand and I've been using it and putting it up throughout this whole series. And it wasn't until this week that somebody asked me about it and I was so happy. Uh, I've been using this symbol. This is called a Cairo. And it's two Greek letters superimposed on one another. Somebody asked me if it was a Catholic symbol. It's not a Catholic symbol. It's a Jesus symbol. Uh, just like the fish early on in Christian history became a symbol of Jesus, so also the Cairo superimposed on top of one another was a symbol of Jesus. Why? Because it's the first two letters of Christos, Christ. So I'll show it to you. Since we've been in 1 Thessalonians, this is 1 Thessalonians 1.1 in Greek. Uh, Paul and Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. First two letters of here, Christo, the Chi and the Rho. You see a capital row down here that says to the Thessalonians, pros Thessalonians. That's the, 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 the row. Superimposed one on top of another. That's the symbol for Christ. Now, if I ever, I probably never will, but if I ever got a tattoo, what I would get is a Cairo because it marks me as a follower of Jesus. I'm, I, I'm marked when I pray in Jesus' name as a follower of Jesus. And when you take on that name, when you run that flag up the flagpole, when you submit to that authority, when you recognize that your entreaties to God are based only on Jesus and who he is and what he has done, you are identifying with him. So if you haven't done that already, that is your next step. All this praying, all, it doesn't mean anything unless you have put yourself into the family of God, made yourself a citizen of the kingdom of God. When you say yes to Jesus, what he did on the cross counting for me, recognizing him as Lord, as he's the boss, he gets to call the shots, and going forward, I identify with him. That's your main next step is to say yes to Jesus. Beyond that, we've talked today about tools. You're going to stick to the task now more because you have the tools that will help you to stay on task. VCR, using your voice and praying out loud. Cards, figure out your system, whatever that is. And then praying in Jesus' name, but it's so much more than that. It's living in Jesus' name. VCR. So, of the things that I put under the system, what I want you to do is I want you to pick one to try this week and see how it works. See if it doesn't result in your praying more and praying more often. Let's pray as we close today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the examples. Thank you for this, 
for the various tools that we have. So many more tools and resources available to us than at any other time in history. We should be praying like crazy. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help each of us to know exactly what we need to do with what we've heard today and that you will prompt us and empower us and that we will draw close to you through prayer this week and for the rest of the weeks of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.